Jacob, the way that I dress, I look like a middle school gym teacher. But when I'm not wearing a hoodie, I'm wearing my Bobcat hat, and that's a must. But I want to get more Bobcat clothing. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to go to Elite Sports. And what's nice about Elite Sports is that money goes right into the pockets of the athletes that have NIL deals with them. I'm very much into player empowerment, and one of the ways that I can empower the players is to buy their clothes. We talked about our guy, freshman sensation Chase Moore on this podcast, and uh, he's got stuff over there. He's got a bunch of stuff over there. They call him the Hillbilly. Uh, you can look up all his stuff and shop the entire Texas State collection, EliteSports.com. Use code SQUARE at checkout. It's summertime, Zimmel, and that means floating on the river. Do you have any floating stories? Mm, one time I got really dehydrated and I took some of those workout pills before hydrated or dehydrated 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 didn't didn't drink enough water and I took some of those like caffeine pills beforehand and uh brother that piss was brown I haven't been tubing in San Marcos in a very long time maybe uh, before I could even legally buy a drink <laughs> that's what I was doing in San Marcos no way. You, but because you... I live in San Antonio I go to New Braunfels like more times than not, not now and you know they do the can ban stuff and one of the first times I was tubing over there I actually lost my fucking keys, my like everything, my entire life in the damn small river. It was awful. And so I had to tow my truck back to San Marcos, get a key cut at Toyota, pay a fee at my apartment complex to get new keys there. <laughs> it was horrible. The entire ordeal was horrible. Yeah. So floating on the river fucking sucks. But Zach Bryan, we talked about this with Jessica Mullins. I saw Zach Bryan in concert. Uh I guess maybe just under a year ago, like nine months or so. Um, but that day, he had just been floating on the river. And he also called the entire experience a shit show. Cool. Spot on. Is there a Zach Prime baby out there? Is that like the big reveal? Maybe, like, dude. Well, that's why, you know, him and Deb aren't together anymore, right? Really? I think so. Yeah, I think he's going through some heartbreak right now. So watch out for that album. That album's going to be fire, brother. We got to get Jess on uh, the podcast afterwards. Get an album review from Here with the, our uh, boy, Zach Lane Bryan, on the podcast. <laughs> get them both on the podcast. Yo, we can get the be, review. Don't have tell them. Re- yeah, like, hey, this review. is my friend Zach, you know. <laughs> have him slip in. Just hang out in the lobby for a while. That'd be good. Oh, we could just surprise her with different country musicians, right? We get her George Strait on. <laughs> get the day that George Rogers. The day that George Strait comes on this podcast is the day that a lot of you Texas State fans are going to be eating your freaking hats. LBJ. Oh, he's a president. Well, one of those two guys is alive, and one of them saying, take me to Texas, and the other one didn't. LBJ never had a residency in Las Vegas. Blame it on Mexico. The same. You, you think LBJ is singing Blue Clear Sky? No. Could George Strait commit war crimes? Probably. Easy peasy. Not too hard to lie about Cambodia. Yeah. Tired of winning the tailgate but losing the games? We can't help that. But we can tell you what the hell is up with each team and what's going on across sunny San Marcos. Texas State fans, get on your feet. You're listening to Squaring Around with Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Squaring Around. 
I'm Jacob Rodriguez. That's Texas Sports Press Andrew Zimmel. We have honestly too big of a show this week. I have to edit this entire thing down to something biteable for all of us. Um, we're super happy to be joined by Dave Campbell's own Mike Craven, the San Marcos supervillain who's been shitting on Texas State for a while now. Uh, for good reason, though. Don't act like this team didn't deserve it a little bit. You know, everybody gets their gets their got. And then eventually, if Texas State ever holds up something shiny in the end zone, then, hey, everybody will be there, too. If if Texas State ever parties in the end zone, uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we should use that as a hashtag. Uh, yeah, no, Craven, just because you spank your kids because they ride on the wall doesn't mean you should spank the kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> You well, I think it's, it's hard too because, like, we've been a part of this, like, what feels like a very big buildup for this university, this team specifically, you know, signing 51 players, 52 technically, if you count all the commits. I also got shit on that online. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 51, I guess, for all the End of the podcast. Can't wait to do L of the week. <laughs> oh, over 50 commits signed, sealed, and delivered by GJ Kenny, which makes him one of the top three or two programs in the country to do that with all this transfer portal madness that's happening now. Do people leave before then? I don't know. Maybe there's some storylines to be had yet. Yeah. Totally possible. Totally possible. Well, that's why we wanted uh, Craven to come on here and, um, you know, just kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit. I literally kind of had to check out because I was like, what the fuck are they even talking about? You got really into it. Uh, but Always happy to be joined by the pod father himself, Mike Craven. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Squaring Around. This week, we're super pleased to be joined by Dave Campbell, Texas football's own Mike Craven, who's now become San Marcos's newest supervillain. Uh, Craven, I was talking to you about this earlier, uh, you know, just off air. We were kicking around, but uh, I feel I feel like this is a really vile, or like vile, vile fan base sometimes, uh, just because like, what have we come to expect, you know? And so when people, sports writers, start writing, giving these takes, it's easy to be like, hey, not my school, not look at what we're doing. But obviously, like, you've been around this program in the past, different coaching administrations. What's the vibe like now? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, so this is a dirty little secret about me. My uncle Lance Runnels ran track at at Texas State. I I grew up around Charles Austin. My first name is Charles for a reason. Um, And so, like, my, my mom went to Texas State. All my uncles went to Texas State. Uh, the same colors there in Dripping Springs. And so uh, when I went to UTSA, it was a little bit of a family controversy. And so I get into these little bit uh, back and forth war of war uh, words uh, with my uncles all the time. So my nails are pretty sharpened when it comes to uh, Texas State versus UTSA uh, uh, banner. Uh, but I was at uh, Texas State last week. I put out a story this week about uh, GJ Kinney um, and the 51 new players that he signed. And you know, I think the vibes are good. I think for the first time, the administration feels, you know, really behind the football team uh, in a way that's going to help. And and to me, that's been the thing that's held Texas State back the most is all jokes aside. It always felt like Texas State decided to become FBS and then stop right there. Um, and they have to take that next step. They have to evolve. Right. They can't let the program uh, down I-35, pass them up in a way, you know, that they have on the off-field facilities. And so if they step up the game on that side of the uh, of that side of the equation, there's no re- reason Texas State can't be a really good Sunbelt team. It's in the state of Texas. San Marcos is an awesome place. Uh, it's a really pretty place. It's near big city. Like, you know, all the things that you would want uh, as a college student. So it's just finding the right coach. And, and beyond that, it's finding 
uh, the right support. And it feels like this coach has gotten that support so far. You got your journalism hat on now. So I got to ask you, is it really that bunch of a difference between Texas State and UTSA? Like, is it like when talk facilities, like, is it light years or is it smaller than we like want to think? I mean, when UTSA wants to work out in the weight room, their whole team can do it at the same time. You know, you know, like if Texas State wants to work out as a team, they have to do it in three different sessions, or at least that's been true, you know, during the SPAB years, they would go to San Marcos High School to do that. UTSA doesn't have an indoor either, uh, but the, the race facility, the on-campus facility where the offices are and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's better at UTSA. And some of that's just because it's newer, right? And and so, you know, some of that's just that or whatever. Um, but yeah, it is, it is like, if you're a recruit going on campus and stuff, I think that is a noticeable difference, the weight room and things of that nature. Now, that's going to change. Like they're already breaking ground and they, you know, they have the, the ceremonies and all, you know, it's going to change and it's going to catch back up. Uh, but they should have done it five, six, seven years ago and they wouldn't be in this predicament. We talk about that a lot, Jacob and I, because Jacob is uh journalism for like journalists first, I think fans second, and I am not a journalist at all. So <laughs> we'll talk, but we'll talk and we'll talk about Denise Trout and the former administration. And, you know, I, I think I speak for a lot of the fans when I say, who the hell cares if we're a research institution, if my football team stinks, you know, I think we're finally kind of closing the gap there between like what a university should be and what we want it to be, which is a good football team. It's the neon sign outside of a bar, right? It like, it may not be the thing that makes the beer taste good or the food taste good, but it might be the thing that makes you stop. And, and when football teams are good, enrollment goes up. And when football teams are bad, enrollment goes down. And that's a universally true thing. And so um, you talk to all of these football coaches and they talk a lot about alignment and, and how much it matters to have a president and an athletic director that are on the same page and that feel that football is important and what it can do for the other sports. The money made by football pays for everything else. And so uh, it is the front porch of the university in a lot of ways. And it feels like this group gets it in a way that, the you know, I talk, you know, Ishmael Johnson is our is our college football editor and he went to Texas State. Him and I talk about that all the time. It feels like for the first time, you know, in our memory in the last 10 or 15 years where it feels like everybody is kind of all in on this football mattering thing. Yeah. In your article specifically, too, you're talking about the buildup of this program. As you mentioned, that new kind of, what was it, the end zone complex, whatever, south end zone complex, whatever they're calling that project now as it stands. Uh, millions of dollars going into this. They should have done that a long time ago. The thing that ETSA has over Texas State, too, is that most of the ground is flat in San Antonio. <laughs> so it's significantly uh, easier to develop things and build things up. Um, if you go on campus, a lot of buildings are not tall in UTSA either. So uh, that's kind of a significant challenge that Texas State faces. And, and it's not the campus isn't landlocked in a way that that Texas State is a lot because there's, you know, the city has built up around the school over the last century in a way that, you know, UTSA is out by Fiesta, Texas. Right. We're not it's not like it's downtown San Antonio. So, yeah, I mean, there's a and. San Antonio has places like Valero and HEB and, and stuff where like they don't have to be UTSA grads to see the value in investing in UTSA football because it's a San Antonio investment. Uh, it's, you know, like one of the top 10 biggest cities in the world. And the only thing else there is the Spurs. And so uh, you can get Red McCombs, you can get Valero, you can get Nine Academy. Uh, that's true. Uh, and so, you know, um, I think UTSA also has that advantage. Uh, but also, really, honestly, guys, like we can talk about all this. I almost cuss all this stuff. Um, you can cuss it, on this show if you want. Oh, I can't. Okay. We can talk about all this shit all we want to. 
Um, you know, just look at the records between the 2020 game and now, like when Texas state and UTSA played in 2020 and, uh, and like, that's all of it, right? Like it is easier for you to give a hundred dollars to your university when they've gone eight and four or nine and three or 10 and two and won a conference championship than when they went four and eight, it just is like, we're all fans. Like that, that's how it is. And so, uh, if Texas state starts winning, a lot of these conversations become moot. I don't know if they do. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there because I think that the Texas State fan base is in part teachers, right? Like I think that's the biggest export Texas State has, which is not you know we we know how that goes. Not a lot of like money to give and uh, losers. Like we don't have a ton of people out here that are making Valero money. Uh, so maybe you're right. Maybe a bunch of us can give a hundred bucks. But UTSA in San Antonio, it's it's a tough one. I I really do believe that it's gonna take the football program getting to the point where we are consistently putting guys in the league, like consistently putting guys in positions to succeed at the highest level. And then having those individuals give back versus having the fan base give back. Is that, I don't know. Well, is, is the conversation about keeping up with UTSA or is it about becoming a successful football program? Because like, you know, if you're UTSA, that was an excellent catch in the background of that land. If you're UTSA, it would be fool's gold to start comparing yourself to SMU the whole time or to start comparing yourself to Texas or Texas Tech or somebody with a bigger budget. And if UTSA is going to have the big city, if they're going to keep rising conference realignment thing, like te- Texas State needs to worry about the Sun Belt. Like they need to compete with App State. They need to compete with Louisiana Monroe. They need to compete with Coastal Carolina. I think San Marcos can absolutely do that uh, because Austin's growing into it. You know, like mm. you, you're going to be able to get in the same reason that UTSA has advertisers that didn't go to UTSA. I think Texas State can find money from people that didn't go to Texas State that no advertising in that Hayes, Buda, San Marcos, New Brussels area is good for business because it's becoming DFW. You cannot tell when you drive from Austin to San Antonio, you have no idea where a city ends and where a city stops anymore. And so I think that's also something that could happen over the next decade. So can we break the news now that the uh, Texas State Stadium is going to be Tesla Stadium here in a couple of years? Yeah. yeah, or some Saudi Arabia group may come and buy it. That's what y'all need to <laughs> lean into, get on that live golf tour, get some NIL money, start hiding some wa- some washing some oil money down there. I was going to say the big exports teachers, the second exports journalist. I don't know if we can get the Saudi right. money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they drive cars too. <laughs> well, um, there's a lot of development, as you were saying, in that whole area too. It just uh, get an apartment in Kyle is like a thousand dollars a month now. So there's money to be had for sure. But it's the same reason that like, I will just burn money on the baseball team at this point because they're proven winners, you know? So the second Texas State continues to win at anything, basically, you know, the money will come. If you build it, they will come. Hashtag fill the dreams. Yeah, like, fans fans yeah. will show up to the stadium. You start taking more of the gate. You start taking more concessions. You start selling more apparel. You start getting more donors. The enrollment goes up a little bit. It all it all works together, right? And so, uh, you know, it starts with winning. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully G.J. Kinney uh, can do that. Because contrary to popular belief, I root for every single one of these schools in the state. Like, my dream is the final four to be all Texas schools for every conference okay. champion to be a Texas school, like all of that stuff. Like I have, I mean, I'm a person, right? So I have my favorites and and, and my not so favorites. Uh, but my life and my career and my livelihood is much better. If Texas State's winning the Sun Belt, North Texas is winning American, Texas Tech's winning the Big 12. You know what I mean? A&M's winning the SEC. Like that's good for me. I was gonna say the uh, everybody should just have fun as a take, especially when A and M and Texas are playing in a couple of years. 
Yeah, no, I, but I mean, that's good business for me, right? Like, I don't care who wins that game. It's good no matter what, you know? And so, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, and then being a journalist, it, the fandom gets beat out of you. Like, you don't have time. You do, you know, I know all these guys, right? Like, I, G.J. Kinney's a great guy. Like, I, I'm not going to root against Texas State. I don't care. Like, I didn't go to UTSA when there was a football program. Like, I, I promise you I don't live and die over UTSA football. There's a lot of people in the UTSA fan base that think I'm a roadrunner hater. Right. And so, like, uh, you know, you just kind of live in this weird space as like a sports journalist where like everybody thinks you hate your hate their team. And it's just it's just a fun part of the job. But the difference is you actually do. You actually do hate Texas State. (laughs) I just think you're a roadrunner truther, Craven. (laughs) You can't you can't hate something that doesn't uh, like matter to you or like scares you or whatever. Right. Like, you know, my like I have a I have a bigger dog. I'm doubt it hates like a chihuahua. Right. Because what can that chihuahua do to the to, to that dog? Right. Like until y'all win a football game against us or go to a bowl or do something in any kind of threatening fashion, then I'll I'll start having the uh, enough feelings to, to hate somebody right now. It's uh it's that cute Sunbelt school on the way to okay. uh, good Mexican food, <laughs> which is which is fine. All right. So this leads us into the next thing. So this is firmly a six and six podcast. A lot of people, I don't think, give the Sun Belt enough respect. Now, Texas State is the lone member in the Sun Belt Conference in the state of Texas. You are the premier authority when it comes to talking about college football in the state. Give me your breakdown of the Sun Belt because I have a lot of respect for it. I don't think a lot of other people do. Yeah, I mean, I think the Sun Belt's probably the second best G5 conference in the country, and we'll see if the American can hold on to that top spot with the shuffling thing. I think there's an argument that could be made in five years. Uh, the Sun Belt is the best G5 conference in, in the country. And the reason I think that is, and the reason I think Texas State needs to catch up in this regard is they did a smart thing of not caring about market size, but market passion. And if you go to all those Sunbelt schools, they give a rip about football. Like they, they are passionate. They show up. Uh, they don't care if they're playing a national championship or if they're five and five. Like they go to the games. Like it's a big deal in those towns. It's a big deal for those people. And in college football, that's what it's about. Like I know we're moving more and more towards it being about suits and being about money, but we can rebel against that. We have our own brains. We can pay attention to what we want to pay attention to. Give me coastal versus app any day of the week, right? Like, and that, those are good, fun football games. Uh, and if Texas State can get into that conversation and start becoming a part of those big games, I think there's a huge part of us as college football fans that want to go back to the time where it was just about the the pageantry and the fun and the passion and the rivalries. And places like the Sun Belt are, are kind of like the last beacons of hope for that, right? And so uh, hopefully Texas State can kind of get into that upper echelon and, and become more of a player in, in those conversations. You could argue that the people in Mississippi like sports too much to a fault, Brett Favre. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, that's a tough look. They, I know definitely, we, they definitely like other people's money. I, I You know, this isn't a volleyball <laughs> podcast with uh, the, the football writer on here. But, you know, Brett Favre, he really likes that college volleyball. Yeah, to a, he does. Like, to a fault. Uh, all right. So I have respect for the Sun Belt. I'm glad that you respect my, my conference more than my team. Um, six and six. Is that kind of where you're at here with the two, or do you think that it's what, what what's the take away right now for Texas State? I think the magazines five and seven is where we where is where we have them. Um, you know, of course, there's a plus or minus a, a few here or there. I think the line came out at three and a half um, is kind of the first over under I saw at, at major books, and so if you believe fondly in six and six, I would take 
a large amount of money and go and go bet that right because you can you can buy a couple games and make a lot of money there um i think they're more likely to to get to bowl eligibility than to be at three wins like i think they're going to win more than three games i don't think it's going to be a three and nine team but when you bring in 51 new players and a whole new coaching staff what what can you hang your expectations on? Just talent, just vibes, just mood, you know, and how much of that is the honeymoon stage. And we've all had it before. We've all been fans before. We're like, everybody says the right thing the first year. It's weird if you don't walk out of those buildings in year one and go like, dude, they're going to be awesome. Um, you know, like, and that's the thing for me is I, I, for the magazine, I go to all these colleges and I walk out of every single one going, man, they're going to win a lot of games. Like they're, they're, you know, that's the best off season they've ever had. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what Texas State's going to be in year one. All I know is that that coaching staff knows what they're doing. They're going to get this thing figured out. I just don't know if it's going to be right away because it's hard to project, you know, what is a completely different roster. Like, I, I don't even know if they know each other yet, right? So how can we? And continuing to add things too. So let's talk about that, I guess, because you've you've had you've been in the same room with DJ Kenny more times than we have. Uh, let's talk about him as a person. He was just at Mark Sanchez's wedding. Obviously, just a very interesting guy. He's done a lot in his life, and it's all culminated to this moment where you know he's taking the reins a D one school with everything to prove. Basically, you know, so what are those initial conversations like? And can you? I guess you were talking about expectations and stuff. Can you sniff the bullshit right now? Or, you know, what can you see from him? Yeah, I mean, you you talk to these guys, you get one-on-one, you get around them, and you, I mean, I don't know if it's 100% clip rate, but you can kind of tell, you know, like you can kind of you can kind of tell the guys who are built for it and the, and the guys who are not. And, you know, I like to lean on other people's opinions. Like I, I ask the people I respect their opinion about something they know more than I do about. And all of the coaches I respect talk about G.J. Kinney like he's the next thing, like that he's going to be – a, a big deal. And that's not just Jeff trailer, right? Like that, that's people just around the business who like what he does, like the way he talks. He's done it at a big level. He's been a player uh, in college. He's been a player in the NFL. He knows a lot of guys. He's a smart mind. His dad was a football coach. He's gone through adversity. The life of GJ Kinney has not always been easy. Right. And so like all of those things add up uh, to be a dude that's going to be successful. Now, none of this stuff's guaranteed, right? A lot of really smart guys have failed, and, and there's so much variables that go in. There's so many variables. Yeah, but I don't know if Jake Spavadol wasn't wasn't mature enough yet for that job. He 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 came, is. I think he's a lot more. I think he's a lot more ready uh, for that job and, and the and the trials. I don't think Spavadol understood the issues at Texas State. G.J. Kinney is coming from a place that was worse off than Texas State. So G.J. Kinney at UIW couldn't afford the password for PFF's transfer portal. Mm -hmm. He was borrowing passwords from other schools and stuff. You walk to Texas State and he goes, man, I got some stuff. Man, I got some resources. We can do some stuff here. Jake Spavadol walked from bigger colleges into Texas State. And I think he was shocked by the obstacles that he had to face. Um, And so, yeah, I think G.J. Kinney is, is, I mean, I think he's going to be a better head coach. Uh, than what Jake Spavadol is for a lot of reasons, uh, but one of them is uh, I think he's he has a better understanding of the, tr- the of the issues faced in front of him, and to me that's half the battle. Well, I, the only reason I say this because I'm concerned because you go through and you go like, oh, he's a young guy. There's a lot of people who like him, and I'm thinking to myself, I remember five years ago, four years ago, we were having the same conversation about Spavadol, where it was like Dana Holgerson loves this guy, you know. There's Kevin Sumlin loves this guy. There's a bunch of dudes who are in the state of Texas who are giving this guy like a lot of praise. 
I think GJ is going to be great too, but I just get concerned. I've been hurt before. You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt. Um, I think the difference, the main difference is GJ Kinney knows how to be a program leader more than Jake Spavadol had. He had only been an offensive coordinator and the guys you just mentioned mostly call their own plays. And so, um, you know, he had been the offensive guy for other offensive guys. And so, you know, Kenny, Kenny has been a head coach before at a place with less resources than Texas State. He doesn't call plays. That's a Mac Leftwich joint. Right. And so he like really does concentrate on being the the team builder, the roster builder, the constructor, um, somebody who doesn't need to be all over the X's and O's can do the all the, all the other stuff. And I think that's going to provide balance. Now, again. They can go three and nine, and I wouldn't be shocked. It's a whole new roster, like you know, all all that kind of stuff. Right? I'm not guaranteeing success or anything like that. I just think GJ Kinney is somebody who understands the troubles or the the issues or the problem points that could arise uh, with this job, and that's a huge part of being a head coach is knowing because nobody, very few places are A and M in Texas where you just can throw money at anything and you solve it. Like most places have some stuff, and if you understand what that stuff is. You can attack it better. I'm not sure the last regime understood what that stuff was until it was too late. I like that. That's a good way. I, that's a really good way to put it. Hey, I do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> He's not like you, Zim. We'll just play and pretend. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, you had an early morning today too, Craven. You were in Austin on the morning, <laughs> early this morning. Yeah. So. I was uh, hosting the B and E show from six to ten, and then we do our Republic of Football podcast from two to three. So uh, I've been talking a lot about sports today. We actually had GJ Kinney on the radio show today. He can't get away from me. So we talked about his waistline uh, and the portal and uh, some expectations for the year. But you were saying on his waistline that was a direct contributor to just hosting recruits, the, the volume yeah. of recruits that he was having. Yeah. That was funny because, like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's he's a laid back dude. Where you know, he, I'm a couple years older than him actually, which has been a very weird adjustment as a, as a journalist going from like the young guy to like you know I'm the same age as like uh, Lashley at SMU and I'm a little bit older. Um, what that Kitty. says that they need to start hiring older coaches. That's what that yeah. tells me. No, it just means that I'm getting old, right? Like I'm, I'm pushing 40. I'm like three years from being 40, man. And I'm getting old. I'm almost at that time. You don't want to go to your yearly physical, right? It gets a little bit more intimate. So, um, you know, I, I think when I, when I sat down and was talking to Kenny, we were just BSing about stuff or whatever. And uh, I was like, what, what's the downside uh, to having to turn over a roster like this? And, you know, he was like, I, I've gained 20 pounds, you know, I'm at the hibachi grill all the time. Like I can't, Cause I was like, are you going to keep doing this? Is this going to be the, the formula from here on out? And he's like, I can't, my waistline can't do it, you know? And, um, and so he's going to try to lose 20 pounds uh, before the football season. He's on like acai bowls and like Chick-fil-A salad, he said, and stuff like that. Trying to, trying to drop the weight. Cause uh, yeah, the hibachi grill, the hibachi grill, put it on him. Dang. That's if tough. Texas state gives a guy a heart attack, that's tough. <laughs> Dude, coaching's a hard job, man. A lot of those coaches will tell you they either gain 20 or 30 pounds that first six months or they lose 20 or 30 pounds that first six months. Like it does a lot to them because there's so much that they have to do. Like I, I can I can kind of be like a coach honk sometimes because of like I, I can kind of get behind the scenes on like what they do. And, you know, they make a lot of money. So I'm not here to like cry them a song or anything. But there's a lot. That first six months of, of taking over a college football g- program is insane, and it's only more insane now than it's ever been because of the portal. I think he was solo, too, for like two whole weeks before mm-hmm. he was able to get everybody from UIW over and then announce those initial coaching hires and take some pressure off of himself. But, yeah, immediately after you asked that first question at the presser. At this time, if there's any questions. 
Uh, Mike Cray from Dave Campbell's. So, uh, Mike. W- when you take over a program, what's job number one when you walk in the door? Like that was it. He was the guy there, and he was also the guy at UIW as they were trying to earn a national title. Yeah, yeah. He can, uh, and I think, and that's the other part, right? Is like Spavadol had never done what he did at UIW, and like we can write off UIW as an FCF school um, if we want to or not. Uh, but you don't just win games on accident. You go to, you don't go to semifinals on accident. You don't take a quarterback who's on its fifth stop who's been passed over by a lot of different places and turn them into the, what is the Heisman trophy winner for FCS? Like that, that's what, that's success, you know? And so uh, I think, I think that, you know, that'll help Eric Morris at North Texas hit the ground running too, is you, as soon as you've done something, it's easier to do it the second time than the first time. I But here's the, here's the difference. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I just don't know if FCS football and FBS football have ever been further apart. Like I, I think the competition is a lot different at this level. And the reason I say that is because I watch North Dakota state every single weekend in the fall. And every year I have to have the same conversation with North Dakota state fans who are saying we could be beating Minnesota. We could be beating Illinois. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like it's a completely different type of game. And UIW is playing a who can score 50 points first type of game. And I just don't know if that works in the Sun Belt. They uh, Texas State and UIW played each other two years ago, and I was I was in that stadium. And then they also both played Nevada last year, and we can look up what the scores were uh, for but, that game. See, like, but, okay, I, UIW cannot compete in the Big Ten, uh, but they can compete in the bottom half of the Sun Belt. They absolutely can. And so, like, that's the conversation we're having. We're not talking about Big Twelve football beat, here. Um, beating, so, like, beating Texas State when they're dog shit to me is not like beating Troy. That's not beating App State. That's not beating Southern Miss. And those are the teams you're going to have to be playing. I mean, Texas State top- Texas State beat App State last year. Like, you know, the, like the margins okay. aren't that big, right? Like, we're not talking okay. about Georgia or Ohio State here or anything like that. Like, I, I don't think the margins are humongous. A lot of it's just about the quarterback and, and, and maybe offensive line size. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying UIW would go win the Sun Belt or anything like that. Uh, but I think we've seen, like with James Madison moving up, I, I don't think at the top half of the at the FCS level, it's that huge. Now, bad FCS teams are a completely different story. They're well, okay, really, so really bad. But like those top 15 to 20 FCS teams would absolutely compete to be bowl eligible. So Sam Houston State just won the championship, what, like two years ago? Three yeah. years? They're moving up. Do you think mm-hmm. that they're going to have the type of success Jam you had? No, no. Uh, but their, their roster is also not built in that in that same way um james madison had a few advantages that that sam houston does but i think sam houston's gonna win five to six games like they're not gonna be two and ten like they're not gonna be ran over um and they're gonna get good pretty quickly i'd imagine you know if we're sitting here in 10 years uh sam houston's a regular bowl team you know they're western kentucky or something like that that see to me that's like a big that's a big ask because i that's a big guy. I, you know, maybe you're right, but I look at it and I say to myself, like the success that they had at UIW is incredible. I don't know if that's going to translate. And I, I'm concerned that again, we've had this conversation. Well, you haven't had this conversation. Texas State has had this conversation multiple times now with like a good offensive coach who comes in and has a lot of success at the last place has a lot of individual success, and then it just doesn't translate. And then we're talking in four years about, like, well, what went wrong? Too much hibachi? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just what what's going wrong here. So, but, like, you can't go hire Nick Saban, right? Like, you're not – like, you're – so Texas State's three options this this offseason, right? And I can I can say this for an absolute fact. We're Casey Keeler, 
Eric Morris, and G.J. Kenny. You find me one without a question mark. Casey Keeler's never coached at the FBS level. Who knows if that translates? Eric Morris has only been the Eric Morris's arguments the same one as GJ Kinney's, and they just hired him at North Texas, right? So, like Jeff Trailer had never been a head coach. He was the Gilmer guy. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, you know, you could look at that hire and go, uh, I saw this at Todd Dodge. You, you know what happened at North Texas, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so like none of this is an exact science. And unless you know, ask Texas, they hadn't gotten it right in 12 years and they got an empty pocketbook. And so there's gonna be question marks. Like there, there just is. There was question marks about Nick Saban. There was question marks about Bill Belichick when he got fired from the Browns. Like you're never, you're never. If you're hiring a guy, that means you need something. Something's not going well, and there's going to be question marks for the guy coming in. Uh, I think for as as what Texas State's able to afford and who would want that job, I think GJ Kenny is about as proven as as a as a football mind as you can hope to find, unless you go the Larry Coker route. And I thought that was the only other, and we've seen that with Francione, right? So which pick your poison. And so you're going to pick one, you're going to pick young and unimproven, or you're going to pick old and on the downhill of the hill. You're not going to get successful coach right in his prime. Why would they do that? Right. And so what that's just the reality that we're living in, in my mind. Do you think that Mac, this is a dumb question because I have a quarterback question for you, but a guy like Mac Brown after he left Texas, like I'm, I'm just, was that ever a possibility for a place like Texas State? Is that or a school similar to Texas State across the board, any conference, any level? I, I mean, I think that's an individual decision. I, I think yeah. Max got too much money to take that headache on. Okay, like because like okay, if you're Gary, pa- I think Gary Patterson is is a better example, right? Because like maybe Texas State could have called Gary Patterson and, and seen what that was like, but. I mean, do you want a guy who's like just trying to like do a legacy thing at the end of his career just to like show the old school that he wasn't quite done yet? Like, is that really kind of the the coach that you want? I'll take the dude who's trying to prove himself and get that next job and become a big time college football coach, because then I can use that money to go buy the next one that wants to do that and then go use that money to buy the next one. Because like Chef Trailer at UTSA, right? He's going to pay for our next head coach. We're not keeping <laughs> Jeff Trailer for 10 years. Either Houston or Baylor is going to come open within the next two off seasons. And Jeff Trailer's not going to be there. Right. And like you use that money to go that buyout money to go buy the next guy. And you hope you replicate that success. And then you go. The, the, the goal isn't to find a dude that's going to stay there for a decade and make you great. Like it's just we're not at that level. Right. We're not like this is not going to happen. That's not going to happen at. But Arkansas. At, like, Houston. But- but Arkansas State is dealing dealing with that or dealt with that for the past seven years, and now they got Butch Jones, and they're the wor- one of the worst teams in college football. So it's like yeah. I understand, yeah. like I understand where you're coming from with that, but that's just to me, it's a tough. That's a tough break. Which which teams last decade would you take? Arkansas State or Texas State? Is that the yeah. question? Yeah, that's a no brainer. You take Arkansas State. So you do it that way because sometimes you're going to have some really shitty seasons, but you're going to have five or so other really good ones. And Texas State hadn't had those. All right, who's the? Uh, do you have an idea who the starting quarterback will be in the fall? I do not. I don't. I and to be honest with you, I don't think they do either. Like, <laughs> like they haven't seen all of the guys on campus even in Texas State uniforms yet. You know what I mean? And so, like a lot of that, you know, a lot of that's going to be like Lincoln Perry. 
And guys like that making that decision as much as the coaches like G.J. Kenny, Mac Leftwich at the end of this summer are going to go to the leaders on that football team on the offensive side of the ball and go like, hey, who's the starting quarterback? Like the players determine that stuff, not not the coaches like the players know before anybody else knows this summer is going to be really big for that because a leader will emerge and it'll be that guy, whoever that guy is. My money would be on Malik Hornsby, mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, I wouldn't doubt it either to see a couple of guys in non-conference and then maybe run bubbles to the top by conference play starts. We had a similar situation, I think, a couple of years ago with Tyler Vitt and uh, Brady McBride, where it was like, I think Tyler was the, I love Brady, That's, but I think Tyler was the leader on the team, and I think Brady was just the best quarterback. And I'm hoping that it's not a similar situation because I'm hoping that Malik is the best leader and the best quarterback on the team. And we don't have a situation that in week five or week six, it's three and three and fans are asking like, well, what about this other guy? I heard this other guy look good in practice. You know what I mean? I don't know if the quarterback has to be the leader of of the team or the leader of the offense definitely helps. And it makes it a little bit more organic. Uh, But, you know, I think guys like Lincoln, Lincoln Perry are are the leader of this team. I, I think, I think some of those offensive linemen that are coming in from UIW are going to emerge as leaders on this team. And so, um, you know, I think you just need to find a quarterback that can run that offense. And that that's going to be the thing for me is like Malik Hornsby is a different kind of quarterback than Lindsey Scott was. And so that offense can't look exactly the same. What is that going to be like? I'm fascinated like that. The offensive staff at Texas state, in my opinion, uh, are some of the smartest offensive young offensive minds in, in the country, especially really? in the state. Like, I mean, Mac Leftwich is a wizard. Like that, that dude, go just for fun. This is a football nerd thing of mine, but for fun, just go watch the fourth down complex or concepts that Mac Leftwich can run uh, in different ways. Like he, he's, he's, they're great. And so uh, I think they're going to figure out schematically a way to make the quarterback good. Uh, my, my question would be like, are they going to be big enough to run the football and will they stop anybody? So would you say they're top five? Like in the state, I mean, if we're going like 30 and under 35 and under, like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think Mac Leftwich is going to be like a future. I think he's going to be like a uh, Garrett Riley or something like that. Kendra really? Bryant, like, I think he's going to be a P five offensive coordinator within 10 years and, and probably a future head coach somewhere. Like he's, he's really good. He had other places he could have gone. I'll put it that so, way. He had like real, real FBS offers to be an offensive coordinator. Had, you know, so like had you, I had the Texas state thing not happened for Kenny. Mac left, which was going to be a FBS offensive coordinator somewhere else. I, I know that for a fact. We're talking about a so coach it's kind of like the, that has already had a departure too. Like, what was it like three weeks into it? Cam Martin left for yep. UCF. So, I mean, you yep. know, these guys are all very talented people. Well, it kind of reminds me of that, like Mike Shanahan, Washington coaching staff, the way you're describing it, at least right. Where it was a bunch of those young guys, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan and uh, McVeigh. I think Mike McDaniels was on that roster too for coaches. So can you, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I mean, GJ Kinney was getting asked by NFL coaches to stay on staff when they were cutting them. You know, like as they're cutting them, they're like, hey, you want to be a coach? And like, there's been a couple of times where I think he got kept on a roster because it kept like a basically a coach in the position room. Like those guys are very well respected. And again, it doesn't guarantee success. A lot of really, really smart guys have fallen on their face and fail like football's littered with them. Uh, but I mean, they they are absolutely uh, young, respected, like up and coming offensive coaches uh, in college football, no doubt. I mean, they just are. Yeah. But would you put them in the same camp, like as the Dykes and Bryles, or is it like a light version of that? Like that—that's kind of where my head, where my question was. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a Rhett Lashley type situation, you know, like in that kind of like Gus Malzantra. I don't, they haven't, cre- they haven't invented an offense. That's the thing, right? It's yeah. like the Dykes Bryle stuff, that was revolutionary. Like being the on the front end of the How Mummy Mike Leach stuff, that was, that was stuff you'd never seen before. Defensive coordinators didn't even know what it was, you know? Um, and they're building on top of that. So it's hard to compare um, to like when the book first started, right? But like, the evolution of the product, they're absolutely, you know, amongst the, like the football nerds of the world uh, absolutely love the left, witch Kenny offense and, and what they've done. And they've been, you know, with guys like Gus Malzahn at UCF, you know, like they've been around really smart guys like Kenny. That's who he transferred to at Tulsa. You know, that Gus Malzahn was the head coach at Tulsa when he transferred there from Texas. And so uh, it's a very creative, you know, multiple tree that can do a lot of different stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm biased because I love that offense, but I, I think it's going to be great. And I think what Texas State has that I think other places maybe lack is a running back room. I think the running back room at Texas State kind of is underrated, especially when you consider that the rest of the fucking conference seems to have a power back. And we have four guys who are like under the five, seven, five, eight. But <laughs> I, it's just I I feel like the running back room is underrated. Am I wrong? No, I think the running backs room is going to be really good. And then you couple that with a quarterback that can also run and a linebacker that that has to account for him. And you're going to get some really favorable boxes. And that's what I think is going to be fun about this offense. Like, I think it's going to look a lot like Gus Malzahn. If, if Malik Hornsby's the quarterback, this changes if TJ Finley's the quarterback, right? Because he's more of the pocket passer uh, guy or whatever. But if Malik is the quarterback, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of just really fun, kind of like shotgun, running back, quarterback, exchange, that kind of jazz. Uh, and I think they'll get really creative with it. The running back room is absolutely one of the strengths of the team. Do you have to have one quarterback or do you want to run a platoon? That's a great question. And I, you know, I don't know if I'm smart enough to know, you know, Come on, I mean, you're a uh, nerd. Come on. I, I would, I guess I tend to lean towards just finding a guy and going with it. Uh, but why does football have to be that way? I mean, they, they change every other position and, and stuff. And so like, maybe there is a way in this new modern positionless football uh, for where, for that to work, but it would take two guys who are, built different than most quarterbacks are different. Like most quarterbacks want to be in the huddle every single time. They want to be the man. They want to be touching the ball. That's why they became quarterbacks. And so you're going to have to convince two of those dudes to to figure that out. But, you know, maybe they can do that. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Which Before is what I, I thought it was going to happen with Brady and Vitt, actually, because you're talking about two guys who are also on the Texas State Wake team, by the way. And so they were very tight on and off the field. And you would think something like that would lend itself to something like that naturally. As you're saying, that would take an entire different like cultural approach to the position, to everything, basically, to college football as we know it. Coaches don't like to do new stuff either. Well, you know, because if you fail the same old way, you get a pass for that. You fail a new way and people crucify you for it. So I, I just think like in, in baseball, which is what everybody compares it to, right? Like a starting a relief pitcher. It took decades it took doctors it took math for these starting pitchers to be like okay i guess i'll give the ball up there was fights there was pitchers who threw fists with their managers saying i'm not coming out of the game so i just think like in college football where it's 18 to 22 year old guys who have been told their entire lives that they're special and cool and unique that like hey guess what on this third in the third quarter drive we're gonna go with the other guy and then we might bring you back in the fourth quarter unless it's Tua. You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't see that happening. 
Yeah, I mean, you there's a lot of egos in the room, right? And, and GJ Kenny's a quarterback as well, and I'd imagine he he feels like that would disrupt some rhythm. Yeah, I, I again, I I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the Baylor game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it in some of the non-conference games, but I think by the time the Sun, I think they hope by the time the Sun Belt Conference rolls around, there's a guy that they can lean on. But you're going to need two. Like I think ten out of the twelve FBS teams last year in the state started two quarterbacks for at least three or four games, right? Like you're going to play two guys. Um, Houston and UTSA were the only two schools that started their quarterback every single game of of the year last year uh, because of injury. So you know, like you're going to you're going to need multiple dudes. Good stuff. And we started one guy last year, all the year, because you know, perhaps some. Oh, that's right. I guess Texas State. That's three. Did he start yes. every single game? Uh, most of them, I think. I, I don't. Thought he I don't know about the non-conference least, but yeah, ones, yeah. but yeah, like you were saying, I would be surprised if Texas State didn't run out two for UTSA, Baylor, and Jackson State. It'd be yeah. weird not to. Yeah, you got to see what you have. If we're here, okay. I'm as a fan. If we're running two quarter, quarterbacks out against UTSA, I'm gonna have a problem with that. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Just, just after we may a, or may just, not get shellacked by Baylor? Question mark. Uh, huh? After we may or may not get shellacked by Baylor? Well, no, because the thing is, is that I'm always, it doesn't matter. UTSA could be the number four team in the country on their way to a national championship. I'm going to think that it's a competitive, or it should be a competitive game. So if you're running two quarterbacks out there, just inherent bias tells me that you don't have, you haven't made a decision yet. There hasn't been a guy that like the cream hasn't rose to the top yet. I'm going to look at it as like, what the fuck are we doing? Whereas remember a couple years ago, the Rutgers game, which should have been a competitive game. I blame the coaching staff for that one completely. But they were like, well, I guess we got to burn Vitz red shirt. I guess we got to throw him out there. And it's like, what are we doing? What What's going on? What's the the, the brain child behind this one? Uh, it turns out there was no brain. So that's why. Um, can't have a brain child without a brain. <laughs> that is a requirement. I I won't. I, I did not. Those are not my words. I did not say that. Mike Craven did not say that about the previous coaching staff. Well, I think it was that was uh, Withers year. Yeah, oh, was it? Withers. Okay. Yeah. Well, luckily, COVID happened and red shirts no longer mattered and people could play for nine years and stuff. And so no big deal. No water under the bridge. So what's the difference between Texas State and Sam Houston State? You had Texas State as the second worst team in the country or in the state, I should say. Well, the country. Uh, Sam Houston State, the bottom. Uh-huh. Is there a difference or was it just a coin flip? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Texas State has a, a, a higher likelihood of winning six, seven games than, than Sam Houston does. I mean, that that transition up uh, is not going to be easy, especially when you know that team that won a national championship was so senior heavy that they don't have any of those guys anymore. Like, they'd be re- in a rebuilding year even if they were still in the FCS. Like, those guys just cycled out, and that happens, right? Like, you get at that level, you hope you get a, a grade or two that kind of, like, bubbles up and it rides you for a couple years, and then you're going to have a couple years where you rebuild it and try to ride those guys again, and they're just on the bottom half of that cycle. So they're going to have a, a tough time uh, rolling together. I, I like what Texas State's done through the transfer portal. I think this is a very talented roster that could surprise a lot of people, score a lot of points. And if you can score a lot of points, uh, you're in a lot of football games. And so I, I don't think the margins are all that different uh, for most of the teams in the Sun Belt. I think there's two or three really good teams. I think everybody else is kind of right there. And so uh, it wouldn't shock me if we're sitting here, you know, six months from now and, and Texas State, you know, gets bowl eligible, it gets to seven and five wins. It would absolutely shock me if we're sitting here six or seven months from now and Sam Houston has seven wins. And so that's the difference for me. 
That would hurt. If they have seven wins, Texas State's a three and nine team, and we're talking to you again, and <laughs> and you're doing the victory lap about like, yeah. hey, do you see that yeah. UTSA win? And mm-hmm. that one's gonna hurt. That'll be a tough. Yeah. One. So the problem with me being pseudo y'all's boss, and I don't really like that term, but I'll take it for this argument the is I will de- I will demand to be back on this show <laughs> if that happens, and y'all won't want to be here. I'll just I'll just say it that way. Like that. <laughs> That won't that won't be a fun situation for everybody. Well, except for me. And so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that happens. But again, yeah, I think the high the upside for Texas State is higher than Sam Houston's. I get so much crap for that those power rankings. Like As so, you should so much crap. But like, how do you make a ranking with Texas and Sam Houston on it if not to make it weighted by conference opponents? So you There'd had be, Texas at one. I had you- Texas at one. And you had TCU at four? Yeah, yeah, yes, I think that's correct, yeah. Texas, UTSA, SMU, TCU. And again, that doesn't, I, I, I'd pick TCU to beat SMU every single day of the week, right? But SMU has a better chance in my mind of winning the American than TCU does of winning the Big 12. And, and in my mind, to make a ranking of 13 different schools of varying uh, of budgets and varying different conferences, the only fair way to do it is to weigh it against their their conference opponents. I I do not envy you because that is a tough one. It is a hard job that you have. I will say, if Texas goes, what, eight wins? How far would they fall if they're an eight-win team on your power ranking? I mean, I think they finished last year around fourth or fifth at eight and four. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think UTSA, Texas um texas tech uh we're above them for sure it's fluid it's very fluid i am not married to any of these teams i i do not care i promise you i you i did around you I, I, I around man if if utsa goes three and nine i'm gonna crush them i cr- i crush the old coach com- com- completely like you know what i mean like i like i i don't care that and this is good but the difference is it's like you will go back to we'll circle all the back around to family when you're in the family, you can talk bad about the cousin that has a drinking problem. It's when the lady at the grocery store says, you know, your cousin has a drinking problem that you have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the right. that's the deal. So right. we right. can shit on Texas State. It's when, you know, somebody else comes in and goes, they're the second to worst team in the state. That's when it's like, oh, man, that's a tough one. Who are you better? Who 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 do you move out? Like, how do you who is who are you above? That you weren't rice. Yeah. Yeah, I can get it. Yeah. If you, if you, if like rice is the only argument there, like I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like act like I'm <laughs> like, I know more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that can, yeah. that can absolutely be a toss up, but I think it's, you're either 10, 11 or 12. And your conference matters, right? Yeah. 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 So, your ability... so, if, so let's say a team like A&M. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's say a team like A&M has a really bad year and Jimbo's on his way out. Yep. Because it could, that's a six, they could be a six win team too. Dude, I had Rice above AM in the power rankings at the end of last year. So, right. So I'm saying like a team like AM, I, look, I understand putting Texas State where you are. I, I'm giving you shit about that. I, I kind of agree with kind of where we're at with this. I just wanted you on record saying that. But <laughs> I, I've been on that's record. I've been on record. We came on this podcast. Do you not watch? You should watch the podcast. It's a pretty Dude, good we got 12 shows, man. I got a lot of stuff going on. You're driving to Austin all the time. So it's a 30 minute podcast. Yeah. No, I've watched it. I think I've listened to three out of five that y'all put we, up. Anyway, we came on this podcast and we said that the Podfather 
was going off the top rope on these people. We agreed. I did. Like, I saw that. I liked the graphic. I showed that to a few people. Appreciate that. Spot on shout to the graphics department. We're 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 on the same page here. Yeah. It's just, you know, we can't have a Texas State podcast without trying to defend the podcast to the best of our ability, right? Totally. Totally. I just want y'all to know that I'm not your enemy. Sometimes they deserve truth- it. I'll be honest. I'm just a truth teller. That's it. I'm just I'm just here to, to tell some truths and I'm sometimes wrong. You know, that that's the that's the price you pay for when you talk and write about sports as much as I do, right? Like you're gonna have some really crappy opinions. Um, but uh, I I am here for the Texas State UTSA rivalry becoming a big deal, and I think that requires Texas State holding up its end of the bargain. And I really like the head coach that's in San Marcos, so consider me an honorary Bobcat. Honestly, it Ooh. used to be a sponsored rivalry too by HEB. Yeah, so, yeah. Now yeah. it could be well, Tesla. Well, if it wasn't five and zero, oh, maybe they would have hung around. You know, the Joe Rogan Experience paddle. Can we get that? Can we get? <laughs> Yeah. Shout out Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You just gotta get that. Well, I'm, I'm just... telling you. You gotta get the PIF fund. Yeah. I, I like I like it. I'm trying to think of some more. Um what was the name of uh the the big Nietzsche bowl? The big Nietzsche bowl. Between UTSA and Texas State. Who thought? No, no, no opinions. Um Nah, I don't know. I'm not good at names. I'm not very clever. Um I'm honestly I'm uh, that's my whole I don't even write my own headlines. I said that, and Jacob was my editor, and he shamed me. He said that's, that's part of that's the job. The only thing I can write is headlines. Yeah, I think it's easier to write a headline of a story you didn't write than one that that you wrote. I just think the uh, the separation from the article allows for a better headline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because you get all invested in it. You're like, well, this has to be all these other things. How is this right. not sixty letters right now? Because sometimes you think you're telling a story that you're not, and the reader can tell you what the real headline of that story is, not the writer. In a lot of time, a lot of ra- a lot of ways. Come for the football talk, stay for the journalism breakdown. There you go. We could do another whole hour on that part. That's my favorite part to talk about. We don't. Nobody ever wants to listen to me talk about that stuff. If we go three guy. and nine, Craven, I think I'll end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end more than this podcast, Jacob. I'll tell you that. You're right. (laughs) I'm going to have some real issues fundamentally. Uh, I might have to get an MBA at UTSA or something. There you go. I can get you in. Thanks. No, you can get yourself in. It's not. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) That's like the most exclusive club in San Antonio. It's UTSA business department. I'm not not even going to lie to you. I mean, that's why I went went to UTSA because they let me in. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like uh, I wasn't that great of a student. So shout out, shout out to the Roadrunners for that. Cool. I just, if I have to do another year of Jeff trailer talk, I've told the story on the podcast before. I'll tell it to you now. I was driving in North Dakota hearing about Jeff trailer. I was driving around in my car having to hear about UTSA and this this great program in San Antonio. And that was when I thought about driving on incoming traffic. Yeah, I, I mean, like, for the, you know, I, I hear about Jesus a lot, too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like everywhere you go. Right. And so, like, when you're a messiah, when you're a legend, when you're going to have a statue, uh, when you're one of the, the best football minds in the great state of Texas, um, that the word's going to get out. It's going to be such gonna be a able shame. To escape it. It's gonna be such a shame when he goes to Waco and ruins all that goodwill. Why? Like, why would he? Okay, hold on. Let's have this conversation. Why would he ruin any goodwill by going to Waco? Good for him. Like, I hope he. I hope he gets a great job and goes and be successful. We will always be thankful of what Jeff Trailer is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, UTSA fans are gonna. They oh, owe everything you, to okay. this guy. 
Okay, but I mean, okay. like nationally, he's going to go to right. Waco and like be okay. I guess I don't know. Big Twelve is not getting any worse. Big Twelve is getting better. So I maybe Jeff Trailer goes to Waco and turns right. that whole program around. You give Jeff Trailer some. You give Jeff Jeff Trailer some resources and some history. Y'all better watch out. Y'all better. Thing, if the, Texas or Texas A and M messes up and hires that man, the last guy to go to Waco to win signed a deal with the devil. So. No, I, they've had three different com- they've had three different coaches coaching the Big Twelve championship in the last ten years. Art Bryles, Matt Rule, Dave Aranda. Baylor's a Baylor's an absolutely winnable job. Okay, they just won a Sugar Bowl like twenty three months ago. Yeah, weird weird year last year. How many jobs are better than the one that he has right now that are like realistically gettable? That he wants. Well, if you want to talk about it, Jimbo well, that's another guy that had a bunch of question marks that probably shouldn't be there anymore. That's what I'm talking about craving here. That's why I'm asking. Because AM and Texas, I feel like those are two like if they fire Jimbo right now, it wouldn't shock me, but it would surprise me. Does that make sense? Yeah. If Sarkeesian, if Sar- Sarkeesian got fired, I would be floored. That would blow me away. I would I don't think they're gonna fire him. If they did, again, I would be shocked. So those two, I think, were like the two top of the shelf ones. But you mentioned Baylor, you mentioned Houston. Are those two jobs that he would like take? Would he want, or would it just be a money situation at that point? Yeah, I think he'd listen. TCU as as well. I, I think staying in Texas, you know, maybe even Oklahoma, obviously, just because you could still recruit. To, I think some of his superpower is the state of Texas, right, and the relationship he has um, just across the state, not just with high school coaches, but just with everybody across the state. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. I think it's a very short list. I mean, he's a guy who coached at Gilmer forever, right? He didn't, he passed up plenty of six, a jobs to stay in his hometown. If he likes the place and he feels taken care of, uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty loyal dude that will stay there. I don't think it'll be his paycheck that would ever get him to leave. I think it would be maybe the thought that he couldn't reach the ceiling. He wants to at UTSA that maybe he doesn't have time to build UTSA into a team that could eventually compete in a college football playoff. That if he went to a place like Baylor, he went to a place like TCU, maybe even a Houston, that Why he could get there TCU within there? four or five years. Stop, stop putting TCU. So we like Sunny Dykes at TCU. Stop telling. Yeah, but if, if like you know Texas comes over or something, you know, like coaching's weird like that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like Dave Aranda won a Big Twelve in a in a Sugar Bowl like two seasons ago, and Baylor fans are already like, if he loses one more year, you know what I mean? Like. That's just how it goes. And so I, I'm just thinking like DFW would be an attractive spot for any coach for obvious reasons. And they just have more money. Like he's getting paid a lot. But the thing at a G5 level is not just about how much your head coach is getting paid. What does your staff look like? Can you keep offensive coordinators? Do you have a recruiting staff? Do you have a backroom staff? Do you have that kind of support? I think for a lot of coaches, they look around and, and get to some other coach and go, man, I'm jealous of like how much they have support where they just get to do the football. So I think if trailer ever was to leave UTSA, mm-hmm. it would be able to go to a place where he could just do the football. But there's only like a handful of those jobs that exist. Like oh, yeah, for sure. Football. For sure. I think there's and four I, or five jobs that he would leave UTSA for. And that's it. Yeah. Well, I was just saying there's like 10 jobs in the country that are like that. Well, compared to UTSA, there's probably like 40 jobs in, oh, the, in the country like fair. that, you know, but like, yeah. Like, you know, Texas Tech, I mean, I think there's a there's a scenario where he's the Texas Tech head coach right now, had that job opened up in a normal way where it happens after a season. But you're not he's not the type of guy that's going to leave in an eight, no season in the middle of the year. Like that would ruin the whole thing. His whole thing is that he's about locker room and culture and sticking to your word. And so, you know, I don't think and I think all these coaches like it's not even about the money. Right. They're all millionaires. It's about the winning. And like, I guess we could call it ego, but I, I would just call it competitiveness. That he looks around and he goes like, 
dude, I'm as good as Sonny. I'm as good as Steve Sarkeesian. I'm as good as Brian Kelly. And you want to go prove that sometimes. He's also been one of the guys waving a red flag, yelling about tampering too at the NCAA. So I don't know. I think stuff like that really gets to him. And he's like, why would I even deal with this shit? I could go to a bigger school and never have to deal with this ever again. I think that that's bullshit though, because if the shoe was on the other foot, if he had the opportunity to tamper the way that they would, I think everybody does it because it's, you want to win. Sure, but like uh, you still get mad about it when it happens to you, right? Like we all lie to people, but when you get lied to and you figure that out, you get pissed. Yeah, I guess so. He was also Fiesta royalty too. So, I mean, that's I true. feel like he's capping out as far oh, as like what the city of San Antonio can really give that's him. That's true. That's a, that's a that's a great point. That's a, you got a lifetime pass to Six Flags? Point. That's, oh God. Can't get yeah. better than that. Hey, that shit's yeah. expensive, man. Jack and Coke will get <laughs> you back like $30. Yeah, you got to find like a Coke can with a coupon on it, stuff like that. I like, look, I love talking football with you, man. It's just like there's levels to this, right? Like you are clearly my A number one. I love you, co-host. This is my favorite guest, you know? So anytime y'all need me on, you know, just let me know. This is, you know, we're, I mean, we've been really excited. Like as a whole network, we're like over like 13, 14,000 downloads, you know, every 30 days. And that's, you know, in the dog days of the, of the year where there's not a ton going on. Like, you know, I think this is going to be a a pretty cool thing that we all kind of help each other out. I hope, I hope like on UTSA week, the Alamo audible guys have y'all on their show and y'all have one of theirs on there, you know, like, that's kind of our our eventual goal of this thing is it all just becomes like what SB Nation was like. Eventually, I'd love for the Texas State page to be open for blog posts for for guy, you know, and and stuff like that. So that's a da- see that's a, now that's a dangerous thing. Well, that's, that's what we thing. that's what we we went we want to fill the space that SB Nation like mm-hmm. left away because they got high. You know, we don't have we don't have stockholders. Like I have one bot. Like I we just answered to the McLean family. Like that that's it. And so, yeah. you know, we're, a, we're able to kind of, you know, push the gas on some stuff that a lot of other places aren't because they're worried about stock prices and stuff. That, and so we, that, we home field, that home field deal that y'all cut was incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the start. I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those things where we can, you know, this, you know, in January, go to Pluckers or HEB or whatever and be like, hey, we have podcasts in 13 different markets across the state. We're averaging 20 to 30,000 downloads every 30 days. And that's before we even talk about social media impressions and stuff like that, you know, give us a hundred thousand dollars and you can be the the network sponsor. And then we just kind of, you know, divvy out some money the way it, you know, it gets divvied out and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's the hope of it. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Well, you know, Jacob and I, when, when we talked about joining the network, Jacob was like, Hey, this is something that I think we should do. And I was like, that's a no brainer. We a hundred thousand percent should try to do that. And he was smart enough to jump on it immediately and was like, hey, I'd like to be part of this. Um, I'm just along for the ride, essentially. Uh, but, like, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that the sky's the limit, man. Come for the football talk. Stay for the journalism breakdown. There you go. We could do another whole hour on that part. That's my favorite part to talk about. We don't. Nobody ever wants to listen to me talk about that stuff. If we go three guy. and nine, Craven, I think I'll end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna end more than this podcast, Jacob. I'll tell you that. You're right. I'm gonna have some really fundamental. I might have to get an MBA at UTSA or something. There you go. I can get you in. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate you guys. Anytime. Sweet. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I try to defend y'all. I try to defend y'all out here with Craven. I I did. I put my big boy pants on. I said I'm looking at little brother getting slapped around. Big Brother step up and try to help out. And uh, he beat me up too. So...
We took him to homie court, though. We were like, defend this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Shout out to him. And, you know, shout out to Dave Campbell. Um, They put the uh, they put my guy, Sonny Dykes, on the cover. I'm really happy about that. I do not like that they are not as high in TCU as I am, but we'll see what happens. Well, yeah. So they put him on the cover, but they're still like four and they just went to a natty. I mean, so. I didn't want to talk about this, but like, I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that on my other podcast, Hypnotoad. You should check it out on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I wasn't going to say it here. I'll say it here. I won't say it there. I kind of get it. You know, there's a lot of big names that left. Max Duggan, runner for Heisman. He's gone. Uh, Quentin Johnson, he's gone. Uh, Condre Miller, he's gone. A couple of the defensive players, they're gone. So it's like, it's not the same team. They also brought back the Hellion spot himself, Kendall Bryle. So, you know. Karma, to quote the poet of our uh, generation, Taylor Swift, she's a bitch. So I hope that that doesn't bite TCU. Anyway, back to T- Texas State. Shout out Craven. We kicked ass. Uh, I can't wait to have him on the podcast in kind of what, like seven months, six months, when we're talking uh, how Texas State won the Cotton Bowl. Really excited about that. Well, we kind of dipped our toes into like what the Republic of Football Network is too, towards the very end before I cut the rest of that whole thing for for legal purposes. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be really cool to go onto the different shows and talk to them about our stuff, talk to us about them, and just spread propaganda for all of our schools. No, I'm planning to cut. Like, when you come to the Gabe Campbell Football Podcast, you come to squaring around, you're getting real talk. Like I said, day yeah. one, we're not lying to you. We're telling Welcome you the, to the truth. Welcome to Thunderdome. Welcome to fucking Thunderdome. Yeah, we're not going to lie to you. We go on other podcasts, we will be lying. If I go, if we go on the, that UTSA podcast, I will be spreading propaganda. I will be telling I, I them. I kind of forgot that some people win. take podcasts pretty seriously, though, because he was, you know, he initially was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cuss there. And I was like, what are you talking about? We just shit on this show all the time. Yeah, no, but I, I'm reiterating. I'm looking at the camera. Camera one. I will be cutting propaganda on the UTSA podcast. You want to go listen to that podcast because I will be telling them lies about Texas State. And I've already been kicked out of their facility before, so I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I know. So shout out Alamo Audible on the Republic of Football podcast network. Also, one of my favorite listens on that entire network uh, we talked about gambling gauchos a little bit, so they're a really good listen. Is that going to be your new competition? Two Bears, One Cave. Very good podcast to listen to. Is about your, uh, yeah, is that your uh, your new competition on the network? What, you have gambling that gauchos? Jordan? Those guys are fucking huge, man. There's no point in me going up against them right now. Okay, got you. I will Deal. say our video product might be a little bit better. Shout out brand managers. We just got new graphics. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, my L of the week, though, is definitely 52 versus 51 or whatever commits and people talking shit to me like saying, hey, that's a preferred walk on. Don't you know? Oh, am I just supposed to fucking look that up? <laughs> How much information do you think is readily available for all this shit? Before we wrap up, because I know we're wrapping soon, I want to give another shout out to the uh, the square talks with our uh, track guy, because you put me on the, the Twitter and my phone has not shut up since because he posted a clip and it's been blowing up because really? I, I've been getting, well, all week I've been getting retweets and likes off that tweet. And I keep thinking I'm getting retweets and likes and I'm not. And it's the, the squaring around social media account. So shout out to you and uh, shout out to uh, 
our track squad. For the record, it's gotten two retweets and 12 likes. And this is the man who formerly had like the deaf and hard of hearing like flash on his phone. So that's kind of on you. A big deal. (laughs) I I really don't know what else we could talk about. Everything else just feels kind of lame. So that's the entire episode, everybody. Thanks for watching. Follow us on Twitter at Square and Pod. Peace. You see this tweet? Thanks for listening. New episodes out every Thursday. Follow the boys on Twitter. Eat them up. Eat them up.